And welcome to another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm your humble host, Jim Watkins, and it is always good to have you stop by, and I enjoy that you do. And I always want to impart something that will make your day better. And so on this edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast, we're going to talk about a subject. It's in paper 195, and it's sections 5, 6, and 7, where the revelators tell us a little bit about materialism and the dangers of materialism in the modern day. We're going to cover a lot of material. Uh, It's a little longer than I usually have as far as episodes. It takes about 40 minutes to read through these three sections. And I'll give you a clue. If it's too long, then you can take a break. So if you need to pause, it'll be a lot of very, very useful information. And it will help you understand not only the dangers of materialism, but what we can do to solve the problem of abject materialism. And the revelators went to great lengths to give us the tools that we need in order to understand exactly what we're faced against. Welcome to the Arantia Radio Podcast, where we take a look at papers throughout the book and give it a little bit of analysis and help you perhaps understand more of what the book is saying. And today we're going to be talking about paper 195, section 5, and it's called The Modern Problem. Now, paper 195 is the last of the books or the papers of the Arantia book. And it talks a lot about, it's actually sort of a summary history of what happened after Jesus uh, moved on and what happened with Christianity and what influence it continues to have all the way down to the modern age. So paper 195 begins with after Pentecost, then it goes into the continuing Roman influence and then through the Dark Ages, and now we're at section five. So let's read through this section, and we'll give some analysis to what they're trying to tell us. And you can read along, too, on the screen if you like. So from paper 195, section five, the, the modern problem. The 20th century has brought new problems for Christianity and all other religions to solve. The higher a civilization climbs, the more necessitous becomes the duty to, quote, seek first the realities of heaven. In all of man's efforts to stabilize society and facilitate the solution of its material problems, truth often becomes confusing and even misleading when it is dismembered, segregated, isolated, and too much analyzed. Living truth teaches the truth seeker a right only when it is embraced in wholeness and as a living spiritual reality, not as a fact of material science or an inspiration of intervening art. Religion is the revelation of man of his divine and eternal destiny. Religion is a purely personal and spiritual experience and must forever be distinguished from man's other's higher forms of thought, such as man's logical attitude toward the things of material reality, man's aesthetic appreciation of beauty contrasted with ugliness, man's ethical recognition of social obligations and political duty, and even man's sense of human morality is not in and of itself religious. So they're emphasizing here that religion is is a purely personal experience. And it's, it's, if it's viewed in this way, then religion is about the whole personality and not just a segmented part of, of their, their living, like going to church one day a week and not really giving thought in any, in any given moment 
to look at things through a spiritual lens. How does it benefit me? How does it be, uh, benefit other people? And is it based in truth? So if you use those three qualifiers, then you're applying religious living to just about every circumstance in your life. Religion is designed to find those values in the universe which call forth faith, trust, and assurance. Religion culminates in worship. Religion discovers for the soul those supreme values which are in contrast with the relative values discovered by the mind. Such superhuman insight can be had only through genuine religious experience. A lasting social system without a morality predicated on spiritual realities can no more be maintained than could the solar system without gravity. That's a pretty important statement. Do we have a, uh, do we have a society that you think uh, is based on spiritual realities or material realities? Uh, to the man on the street, uh, does this person live only in the material world or does he give thought to the spiritual realities of his soul or the future endeavors of, of perhaps eternal life? I would say that most people don't think in terms of eternal reality. Not today, anyway. But what if we did? How would we treat each other differently if we took in the context of a cosmological universe filled with life? And I think when they say a lasting social system, that means the thread that holds a society together, if it's based on spiritual principles or spiritual realities, then it, it can contain that society. It's a lasting social system. And if it's based on anything else, uh, uh, spiritual realities, if, if those are ignored, then you cannot ex expect a lasting social system. So they say, do not try to satisfy the curiosity or gratify all the latent adventures surging within the soul in one short life in the flesh. Be patient. Be not tempted to indulge in a lawless plunge into cheap and sordid adventure. Harness your energies and bridle your passions. Be calm while you await the majestic unfolding of an endless career of progressive adventure and thrilling discovery. So you don't have to cram everything into one life unless that's all the life you want. And then in that case, you might as well do everything. What do they always tell you? You only live once. But here they're saying, no, that's not the case. You don't live once, you live on. And whatever you do here is going to matter in that future estate. Isn't that what they're saying? Don't try to solve all the complexities. Don't don't throw yourself in an orgy of, of satiation because you feel like you'll never have an opportunity. No, look at some of the, go the go the right path. You know, stay within the rails. I think is what they're saying. In time, you'll have so much uh, of a wonderful experience. It's even beyond today for you to even imagine. In confusion over man's origin, do not lose sight of his eternal destiny. See? Forget not that Jesus loved even little children and that he forever made clear the great worth of human personality. So that's an interesting statement. It's almost, it's, it's sort of, where did that sentence come from, right? Here's right here, 195, 
uh, section 5, paragraph 11, in confusion over man's origins. In other words, where did man come from? We're confused about that. Is he animal, evolutionary? Uh, was he created? Are we the sons of Adam or the sons of, of apes? Well, there's confusion about that, so don't lose sight of the eternal destiny. Don't lose sight. doesn't matter where you're from. It's where you're going. And then he pulls in this, this quote, Forget not that Jesus loved even little children. So in their eyes, we may be viewed as, as little children, but what, what makes us worth a damn is the fact that we have human personality. That's the key. It doesn't matter where we came from. Now we're humans, and we have personality, and there's a clear path to an eternal adventure and not just a material life. It says, as you view the world, remember that the black patches of evil which you see are shown against a white background of ultimate good. In other words, no matter how bad it is here and now and in the situations that we find ourselves in, there is a better path. There is going to be a better estate. It says, where there's so much good truth to publish and proclaim, why should men dwell so much upon the evil in the world? And I know I'm guilty of it just because it appears to be a fact. The beauties of the spiritual values of truth are more pleasurable and uplifting than is the phenomenon of evil. In religion, Jesus advocated and followed the method of experience, even as modern science pursues the technique of experiment. We find God through the leadings of spiritual insight, but we approach this insight of the soul through the love of the beautiful, the pursuit of truth, loyalty to duty, and the worship of divine goodness. But all of these values, of all of these values, love is the true guide to real insight. Now we're going to jump into having established the framework by the way that we should approach our religious living, knowing that we are living not only for the present, but also for the future. The end goal, the eternal uh, journey, which we talked about in the previous podcast uh, with regards to the Supreme Being. Now remember, we're talking about society and how it's progressing in the post-Jesus world. And now we get to section six, materialism. Scientists have unintentionally precipitated, and this is, by the way, the only, I think, paragraph in the whole Urantia book that is about this particular age that we are in, specifically. I think they're addressing the problems of materialism at this point because it's a serious issue. And the struggle right now, the ideological struggle, is going on between materialism, secularism, and spirituality, spiritual thinking. So they address head-on some of the problems that we're having in our society today because we've become so materialistic. Scientists have unintentionally precipitated mankind into a materialistic panic. They have started an unthinking run on the moral bank of the ages. But this bank of human experience has vast spiritual resources. It can stand the demands being made upon it. Only unthinking men become panicky about the spiritual assets of the human race. 
When the materialistic, secular panic is over, the religion of Jesus will not be found bankrupt. The spiritual bank of the kingdom of heaven will be paying out faith, hope, and moral security to all who draw upon it in his name. No matter what the apparent conflict between materialism and the teachings of Jesus may be, you can rest assured that in the ages to come, the teachings of the Master will fully triumph. In reality, true religion cannot be involved in any controversy with science. It is in no way concerned with material things. Religion is simply indifferent to, but sympathetic with, science, while it supremely concerns itself with the scientist. The pursuit of mere knowledge without the intended interpretation of wisdom and the spiritual insight of religious experience eventually leads to pessimism and human despair. A little knowledge is truly disconcerting. At the time of this writing, the worst, and this was 1935 or 19, late 30s, so World War II is about to start. It's already kind of broken out in Europe. The whole world is astir. They're saying the worst of the materialistic age is over. The day of a better understanding is already beginning to dawn. The higher minds of the scientific world are no longer wholly materialistic in their philosophy, but the rank and file of the people still lean in that direction as a result of former teachings. But this age of physical realism is only a passing episode in man's life on earth. Modern science has left true religion untouched. All science has done is to destroy the childlike illusions of the misinterpretations of life. Science is a quantitative experience, religion a qualitative experience. As regards man's life on earth, science deals with phenomena, religion with origins, values, and goals. To assign causes as an explanation of physical phenomena is to confess ignorance of ultimates and in the end only leads the scientists straight back to the first great cause, the universal father of paradise. The violent swing from an age of miracles to an age of machines has proved altogether upsetting to man. The cleverness and dexterity of the false philosophies of mechanism belie their very mechanistic contentions. The fatalistic agility of the mind of a materialist forever disproves his assertion that the universe is a blind and purposeless energy phenomena. This is basically addressing the theory of the Big Bang. The Big Bang just eventuated and came to be at this 1.14 or so billion years ago. This particular paragraph hits that uh, head on. Why is that? Because the materialist thinks that life just came about spontaneously. That's a mechanistic approach. What we're not taking into account is the, uh, the, the, the purposelessness of it, the non-causation, that, that there's no point. Listen to what it says. The mechanistic naturalism of some supposedly educated men and the thoughtless secularism of the man in the street are both exclusively concerned with things. 
They are barren of all real values, sanctions, and satisfactions of a spiritual nature, as well as being devoid of faith, hope, and eternal assurances. One of the great troubles with modern life is that man thinks he is too busy to find time for spiritual meditation and religious devotion. Materialism reduces man to a soulless automaton and constitutes him merely an arithmetical symbol, finding a helpless place in the mathematical formula of an unromantic and mechanistic universe. But whence comes all this vast universe of mathematics without a master mathematician? Science may expatiate on the conservation of matter, but religion validates the conservation of men's souls. It concerns their experience with spiritual realities and eternal values. The materialistic sociologist of today surveys a community, makes a report thereon, and leaves the people as he found them. 1900 years ago, unlearned Galileans surveyed Jesus giving his life as a spiritual contribution to man's inner experience and then went out and turned the whole Roman Empire upside down. But religious leaders are making a great mistake when they try to call modern man to spiritual battle with the trumpet blasts of the Middle Ages. Religion must provide itself with new and up-to-date slogans. Neither democracy nor any other political panacea will take the place of spiritual progress. That's a very important, should underline that. Can I, can I say that again? Religion must provide itself with new and up-to-date slogans. Neither democracy nor any other political panacea will take the place of spiritual progress. Now, they have all these parades and all these advocacy groups and activists. You know, we want our rights. We want this. We want that. Equity, whatever they're crying for. But that's not spiritual progress. It might be social evolution, but it's not really based on spiritual principles. False religions may represent an evasion of reality. But Jesus in his gospel introduced mortal man to the very entrance upon an eternal reality of spiritual progression. To say that mind emerged from matter explains nothing. If the universe were merely a mechanism and mind were unapart from matter, we would never have two differing interpretations of any observed phenomena. The concepts of truth, beauty, and goodness are not inherent in either physics or chemistry. A machine cannot know, much less know truth. Hunger for righteousness and cherish goodness. Science may be physical, but the mind of the truth-discerning scientist is at once supermaterial. Matter knows not truth, neither can it love, mercy, nor delight in spiritual values and realities. Moral convictions based on spiritual enlightenment and rooted in human experience are just as real and certain as mathematical deductions based on physical observations, but on another and higher level. If men were only machines, they would react more or less uniformly to a material universe. Individuality, much less personality, 
would be non-existent. So again, they're, they're addressing this secular approach that science has towards all reality. And it's interesting, it's such a great quote. Science is concerned with reality. Religion is concerned with the scientist. The facts of the absolute mechanism of paradise at the center of the universe of universes in the presence of the unqualified volition of the second source and center, which is the eternal sun, makes forever certain that determiners are not the exclusive laws of the cosmos. Materialism is there, but it is not exclusive. Mechanism is there, but it is not unqualified. Determinism is there, but it is not alone. The finite universe of matter would eventually become uniform and deterministic, but for the combined presence of mind and spirit. The influence of the cosmic mind constantly injects spontaneity into even the material worlds. Freedom or initiative in any realm of existence is directly proportional to the degree of spiritual influence and cosmic mind control, that is, in human experience. The degree of the actuality of doing the Father's will, and so when you start out to find God, that is conclusive proof that God has already found you. The sincere pursuit of goodness, beauty, and truth leads to God, and every scientific discovery demonstrates the existence of both freedom and uniformity in the universe. The discoverer was free to make the discovery. The thing discovered is real and apparently uniform, or else it could not have been known as a thing. So moving along, we'll just do seven here, because it sort of wraps it up. This is addressing head-on the atomized man, the, the secularistic attitude of today's science. The vulnerability of materialism, number seven. How foolish it is for material-minded men to allow such vulnerable theories as those of the mechanistic universe to deprive him of the vast spiritual resources of the personal experience of true religion. Facts never quarrel with real spiritual faith. Theories may. Better that science should be devoted to the destruction of superstition rather than attempting the overthrow of religious faith. Human belief in spiritual realities and divine values, that is what constitutes religious faith. Science should do more for man materially what religion does for him spiritually. Extend the horizon of life and enlarge his personality. True science can have no lasting quarrel with true religion. The scientific method is merely an intellectual yardstick wherewith to measure material adventures and physical achievements. But being material and wholly intellectual, it is utterly useless in the evaluation of spiritual realities and religious experiences. The inconsistency of the modern mechanist is this. If this were merely a material universe and man only a machine, such a man would be wholly unable to recognize himself as such a machine. And likewise, would, would such a machine man be wholly unconscious of the fact of the existence of such a material universe? The materialistic dismay and despair of a mechanistic science, of mechanistic science, has failed to recognize the fact 
of the spirit indwelt mind of the scientist, whose very supermaterial insight formulates these mistaken and self contradictory concepts of a materialistic universe. Paradise values of eternity and infinity, of truth, beauty, and goodness are concealed within the facts of the phenomena of the universes of time and space. But it requires the eyes of faith in a spirit-born mortal to detect and discern these spiritual values. The realistic and values, the realities and values of spiritual progress are not a psychological projection, a mere glorified daydream of the material mind. Such things are the spiritual forecasts of the indwelling ingester, the spirit of God living in the mind of man. And let not your dabblings with faintly glimpsed findings of relativity disturb your concepts of the eternity and and infinity of God. And in all your solicitations concerning the necessity of self-expression, do not make the mistake of failing to provide for a juster expression, the expression of God through you, the manifestation of your real and better self. If this were only a material universe, material man would never be able to arrive at the concept of a mechanistic character of such an exclusively material existence. This very mechanistic concept of the universe is in itself a non-material phenomena of mind, and all mind is of non-material origin. No matter how thoroughly it may appear to be materially conditioned and mechanistically controlled, the partially evolved mental mechanism of mechanism of mortal mind is not over-endowed with consistency and wisdom. Man's conceit often outruns his reason and eludes his logic. The very pessimism of the most pessimistic materialist is, in and of itself, sufficient proof that the universe of the pessimist is not wholly material. Both optimism and pessimism are concept reactions in a mind consciousness of values or conscious of values as well as facts. If the universe were truly what the materialistic regard it to be, man as a human machine would then be devoid of all conscious recognition of that very fact. Without the consciousness of the concept of values within the spirit-born mind, the fact of universal materialism and the mechanistic phenomena of universe operation would be wholly unrecognized by man. One machine cannot be conscious of the nature or value of another machine. A mechanistic philosophy of life and the universe cannot be scientific because science recognizes and deals only with materials and facts. Philosophy is inevitably super-scientific. Man is a material fact of nature, but his life is a phenomenon and transcends the material levels of nature in that it exhibits the control attributes of mind and the creative qualities of spirit. The sincere effort of man to become a mechanist represents the tragic phenomena of that man's futile effort to commit intellectual and moral suicide, but he cannot do it. If the universe were only material and man only a machine, there would be no science 
to embolden the scientists to, to postulate this mechanization of the universe. Machines cannot measure, classify, or evaluate themselves. Such a scientific piece of work could be only executed by some entity of supermachine status. There's so much more to reality. It isn't just what science can measure. There's two other attributes to, to the, the trinity view of, of, of reality. There's matter, of course, but it works in conjunction with mind, and mind is motivated by spirit. And it's that triune approach to reality that gives life totality and value. If universe reality is only one vast machine, then man must be outside of the universe and apart from it in order to recognize such a fact and become conscious of the insight of such an evaluation. If man is only a machine, by what technique does this man come to believe or claim to know that he is only a machine? The experience of self-consciousness and the evaluation of oneself is never an attribute of a mere machine. A self-conscious and avowed mechanist is the best possible answer to mechanism. If materialism were a fact, there could be no self-conscious mechanist. It is also true that one must first be a moral person before one can perform immoral acts. The very claim of materialism implies a supermaterial consciousness of the mind which presumes to assert such dogma. A mechanism might deteriorate, but it could never progress. Machines do not think, create, dream, aspire, idealize, hunger for truth, or thirst for righteousness. Even AI. They do not motivate their lives with a passion to serve other machines and to choose as their goal of eternal progression the sublime, the sublime task of finding God and striving to be like him. Machines are never intellectual, emotional, aesthetic, ethical, moral, or spiritual. Art proves that man is not mechanistic, but it does not prove that he is spiritually immortal. Art is morancha or mortal morancha, the intervening field between man, the material, and man, the spiritual. Poetry is an effort to escape from material realities to spiritual values. In a high civilization, art humanizes science, while in turn, it is spiritualized by true religion, insight into spiritual and eternal values. Art represents the human and time-space evaluation of reality. Religion is the divine embrace of cosmic values and connotes eternal progression in spiritual ascension and expansion. The art of time is dangerous only when it becomes blind to the spirit standards of the divine patterns, which eternity reflects as the reality shadows of time. True art is the effective manipulation of the material things of life. Religion is the ennobling transformation of the material facts of life, and it never ceases in its spiritual evaluation of art. How foolish to presume that an automaton could conceive a philosophy of automation, and how ridiculous 
that it should presume to form such a concept of other and fellow automatons. Any scientific interpretation of the material universe is valueless unless it provides due recognition for the scientist. No appreciation of art is genuine unless it accords recognition of the artist. No evaluation of morals is worthwhile unless it includes the moralist. No recognition of philosophy is codifying or edifying if it ignores the philosopher. And religion cannot exist without the real experience of the religionist who, in and through this very experience, is seeking to find God and to know him. Likewise is the universe of universes without significance apart from the I Am, the infinite God who made it and unceasingly manages it. Mechanists, humanists, tend to drift with the material currents. Idealists and spiritists dare to use their oars with intelligence and vigor in order to modify the apparently material course of the energy streams. Science lives by the mathematics of the mind. Music expresses the tempo of the emotions. Religion is the spiritual rhythm of the soul in time-space harmony with higher and eternal melody measurements of infinity. Religious experience is something in human life which is truly super-mathematical. In language, an alphabet represents the mechanism of materialism, while the words expressive of the meaning of a thousand thoughts, grand ideas, and noble ideals of love and hate, of cowardice and courage, represent the performance of mind within the scope defined by both material and spiritual law, directed by the assertion of will of personality and limited by the inherent situational endowment. The universe is not like the laws, mechanisms, and the uniformities which the scientists discover and which he comes to regard as science, but rather like the curious, thinking, choosing, creative, combining, and discriminating scientists who thus observes universe phenomena and classifies the mathematical facts inherent in the mechanistic phases of the material side of creation. Neither is the universe like the artist or the art of the artist, but rather like the striving, dreaming, aspiring, and, and advancing artist who seeks to transcend the world of material things in an effort to achieve a spiritual goal. The scientist, not science, perceives the reality of an evolving and advancing universe of energy and matter. The artist, not art, demonstrates the existence of the transient Marantia world intervening between material existence and spiritual liberty. The religionist, not religion, proves the existence of the spirit realities and divine values which are to be encouraged in the progress of eternity. In these three sections of paper 195, sections 5, 6, and 7, attempts are clearly made to lay the groundwork for the introduction of the fact that true reality is threefold. It is matter, but it is also mind, and it is spirit. The discoverer was free to make the discovery and assess value to the thing being discovered. 
I hope you enjoy taking time to read through these various passages in the Arantia book. I know I do. And if you have a suggestion on a particular passage or topic, let me know at Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Arantia Radio Podcast.